Welcome to the X-Men Files, a podcast where Inessa and Brian talk about the X-Men comics. He's reading them again as an adult, she's reading them for the first time. So grab your back issues out of their Mylar bags, and let's talk about the greatest comic book series ever, the X-Men. Welcome back, I'm Brian. <laughs> you can't do it. It is impossible for you to do it. It's like saying, don't think about a polka dotted elephant and now that's all that you can think about welcome back to the x-men files uh the podcast where brian and, and Inessa talk about the x-men comics uh did you miss us possibly not but we're back we we missed us you know who didn't miss us is missouri no uh, we're almost done talking about missouri but uh in looking at the uh the numbers uh i think we said this last it blooms off the rose uh, there yeah. Uh, or maybe they've maybe they they're entirely caught up. You know, they've listened to every episode ad nauseum, posting some big numbers in South Carolina, huh. and by big I mean more than five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's plenty of a do. You yep. got a recap? I do. You are you are awesome. Uh, we're a day late because you have, you you, uh, you had a I had a migraine yesterday. I was gonna say I was about to say like stomach ache or something. I was trying to find some some kind of like like cute precious way of saying headache. Um, nope, I had a migraine yesterday, and so we could not record. Because I was grumpy and slow and not funny. And yesterday you had a headache. And yesterday, and all that other, all that other, stuff, all those yeah. other things. Usually it doesn't slow you down, but but yesterday definitely, definitely. Uh, okay. All right. Fire away. Uncanny X Men issue one seventy one is called Rogue, and it was released in July of nineteen eighty three. We open in the tunnels under New York City, where Storm is now the leader of the Morlocks, having stabbed Callisto through the heart. Also, her eyes have no pupils, which is weird. She. <laughs> She commands them to stop tormenting the people of New York City or else. Callisto, not knowing when to stay down, gives Storm a little back talk and is quickly put back in her box. Nightcrawler observes that, quote, the Aurora he remembers would have at least tried to not make a lifelong enemy of Callisto, but Storm is fresh out of fucks to give. <laughs> Meanwhile in Alaska... Fresh out of fucks. <laughs> Meanwhile in Alaska, Madeline has a nightmare and then shares a bit of her history as well as a single set of pajamas with Scott. <laughs> Before coming to Alaska, which in books is a place people go to get away from their pasts, she was a commercial pilot and crashed her plane. She was the only survivor. The day it happened was September 1st, 1980, which was also dun dun dun. <laughs> Pretty dramatic, that music. Wow. Oh. The day. I've got chills. Can you do that again? Dun dun dun. <laughs> the day that Jean Grey died. Next up, Massachusetts, where a weirdly unrecognizable Carol Danvers is visiting her parents and seems to be saying goodbye. Kind of a sad scene where she realizes that one thing that was taken from her when she turned into Binary Star was her love for her parents. And they realize that something is different about her now, too. That whole scene was kind of a bummer. Mm. Now back at Xavier's mansion, where Kitty is having a good old-fashioned teenage tantrum about not being able to find some floppy disks that she herself misplaced. <laughs> Adorable. Meanwhile, Lalandra and Xavier are having a scantily clad workout session slash game of doctor <laughs> while Colossus is trying to follow a recipe for quiche. Someone is at the door. I like the touch of Xavier calling him Colossus to indicate he should shift to his metal form as the visitor may be dangerous. And he's right, because the visitor is rogue. Sounding like, I don't know, Foghorn Leghorn and Paula <laughs> Dean had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> we have some welcome exposition from Storm to remind everyone who rogue is. Though she came to them for help, she's an asshole, answering Xavier's <laughs> question about why she's there with, you're the telepath, Xavier, you tell me. 
and gets reminded that they are not on a first-name basis. Turns out the episode with Binary Star impacted her, too. Her powers are now too powerful. Kitty and Nightcrawler both point out that she basically got what she deserved, but only Kitty is told to shush. Xavier mm-hmm. decides there are too many bad vibes in the room to really be able to get a handle on Rogue. The X-Men go into another room, stew for a bit, and then decide to have a session in the danger room. Wee. Wee. <laughs> Ileana programs the room, and whoops, they're in Belasco's evil lair, or wherever he lives. Kitty terminates the program and asks Ileana what's up, and Ileana summons a sword and attacks her. You knew some bad shit was about to go down because Ileana's pupils were red. Mm. Kitty finally disarms her, and she realizes where she is and starts to cry, saying that she has, quote, remembered. The other X-Men rush in to help, and Kitty, I guess an expert in trauma, tells everyone she's got it in hand. Yeah. She'll be fine, guys. Yeah. We then see Storm in her own own room, thinking about whether it's time to press Ileana on what happened with Belasco, and then realizing that her plants are wilting. She's struggling with whether she can give up what she holds dear, mostly the fact that she is not a killer, to remain an X-Man, or give up her friends and hold true to her principles. She wants to benefit humanity, not just kill baddies. She realizes that she's made a storm that's killed her plants, which also just really, really bummed me out. Really? Yeah. We're going to come back to that. Yeah. Uh, Xavier appears to tell them that he's decided... Xavier appears to tell them that he's decided what to do about Rogue, and Storm unleashes a dagger and throws it through his astral image, or whatever his big, bald head in the sky thing is called. Charles has decided not only to help Rogue, but to make her a member of the X-Men. That's nuts, and Storm tells him so. He's annoyed because he feels like everyone should just listen to him all the time, and he's being kind of a dick. In the midst of all this, Binary returns to the mansion, I guess sees Rogue, and bashes her through the roof. Binary might be a right asshole when it comes to property damage. Mm. The rest of the X-Men break up the fight, and Binary is told by Xavier that she now has to play nice. She refuses, and all the X-Men back her up. Xavier points out that they accepted Wolverine not because of his nature, but despite it, and that at least with them, Rogue could get better. They all decide he's right, apart from Carol Danvers and Aurora. Carol is fresh out of Fox 2. She's not an X-Man, and she's glad, so she blasts off into space. Aurora, well, she's not sure. Okay, there you have it. Nice, nice recap. Um, So before we talk about this issue, there's something that we need to clear the air. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to let you finish. (laughs) We're going to come back to the (laughs) X-Men. But I want to talk about Downton Abbey. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Downton Abbey, um, if you were to describe that show genre take costume you know period period piece as a given what additional genre would you use to describe that show what additional this is a loaded question listeners because well i think well it's okay yes it is following on a conversation (laughs) yeah and i'm not trying to that we had Yes, yeah, so our, our daughter, I had mentioned to our daughter, so for, for context, because people in South Carolina care. Deeply about um, this, yeah. The, the, I, had, I had said, we're watching Star Trek uh, Enterprise. Hey, come fight me about that. I'm enjoying it. Season three <laughs> was pretty great. If you don't like season four, the kickoff, where the Star Trek, Enter- the Starship Enterprise buzzes Manhattan and aliens are dressed up as Nazis... This isn't the podcast for you because that is the kind of all stuff that we zany, <laughs> batshit fun 
<laughs> that I'm down for. And Star Trek ought to be doing more of that. She's into the romance between uh, Trip and T'Pol. She is. And I said this morning, you know, uh, daughter's name, if you if you like romance, you should. we should really go back to Downton Abbey. We've seen like two episodes of that, and it didn't quite take. So, but if you really like romantic plots, Downton Abbey is the show for you. False. At which point you said... I said, that's not true. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I said. <laughs> right. So, God. But basically, yeah, I said that Downton Abbey is not... Although there is romance in it, there yes. are also lots of other things, and that I would not necessarily categorize that as a romantic show. I think of a romantic show as like... Wait. You wouldn't categorize it as a romantic show. So back to my, air quotes, loaded question... <laughs> What would I characterize? Yeah, it as? how would you characterize the show? I'd characterize it as a drama. Uh, okay. Yeah. Other, I mean, yeah. Other questions? But, well, <laughs> maybe we're splitting hairs here. Can you here. hand me that thing so I can hit you with it? No. No. That's why I left it in here. Stop. That is not why you left <laughs> no, it in here. No, it's not. No, it's because you're a slob. You can't. <laughs> You can't recycle empty wrapping paper rolls. It's the roll of a wrapping paper thing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Cluedo is also bereft, where I wrap Hanukkah bereft, uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, bereft of of wrapping paper and and also kind of a metaphor for possibly something. <laughs> yeah, all of the gifts have been, you know, uh, uh, wrapped. Um, okay. I, I don't think it's wrong. I mean, I think it has some romantic elements, but but mostly it's like I I don't know. I always found Downton Abbey to be a little bit like. A little bit sad. It's about uh, people sort of locked into these weird uh, yeah. class and 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 life expectations uh, with some group of people. Uh, you know the the sort of the the underground people, yeah. the underground people, the, underground, the, the, the downstairs, <laughs> yeah. the downstairs people. Yeah. Um, you know, basically sacrificing their entire lives to to serve these people that kind of sort of care about them, but sort yeah. of don't. And then you know the upper class people really being. Also trapped and 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 locked into kind of cultural expectations. Um, you know, there's some romantic elements to it, but I don't know. It, it doesn't seem that romantic to me. Here's why I bristled. <laughs> Carry on. Well, maybe I'll, I'll take a different tack because we don't need to have a have a quasi quasi tongue in cheek <laughs> marital <Don't> marital <laughs> argument uh, on the podcast. Apparently, we do. But, <laughs> so is it fair for someone to say it, it, the narrative the plot is largely driven by uh, romantic pairings i'm not saying that's the totality of it but like the the, the main narrative threads that people are going to talk about that they're going to look at or to do with romantic pairings. Yeah, but I, I mean, to me, I guess that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't necessarily make it a romance, which maybe doesn't, I think of, yeah. when I guess when I, when I think of romance, I think of more like, in How to the, Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Yeah, like in the <laughs> rom-com, <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, or, or even like the T'Pol trip thing, which is yeah. pretty lighthearted, but I don't know, Downton Abbey is kind of like, a, there's a lot of stuff in there that's like a pretty, pretty massive uh, bummer. But, Romantic films can have that element, mm. uh, and in fact, I, I think a lot of them do. Uh, your favorite Love Actually plot is a bummer. Yeah, I might not be my favorite anymore. 
Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm weirdly happy to hear that because it means that um, more than 10 years with me has made you a positive, cheerful person. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess maybe, you know, I, I guess it just depends yeah. on how in, in my head at that moment, um, Downton Abbey seemed, you know, actually the, the, in that precise moment when I said that, what I was thinking about was that a lot of that, one of those seasons hinges on the rape of on a rape. Nothing romantic about rape, and right. we're not saying that. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it's like that whole, you know, and, and all the, the, I don't really remember a lot about Downton Abbey, to be fair, but yeah. I remember that part. It was really traumatic, and I don't want. Yeah, it was unnecessary. Our, yeah, I, I you know, her within a country mile of that scene, because that's uh, fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah. Cause like the first three seasons, um, they had, I don't know how many Christmas specials they had. Up through the first Christmas special, the one where Mary and um, that dude who played the Beast, um, Thomas. Yeah, if you haven't seen Downton Abbey, by the way, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> probably too late to say that there's somebody some gets raped. There's a rape. Um, I, I didn't mean to laugh as I said that. <laughs> you didn't mean to laugh when you reacted to it. Uh, nothing funny about rape, folks. Um, up through the first Christmas special where uh, Mary and what's his name, like yeah. they finally get together. I, I think the show started to go downhill after that. Yeah. Um, but I remember largely for the the romantic plots, mm. largely Bates and um, that Anna. Anna, there we go. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, all of the all of the roadblocks to the to them getting together. I, um, I, I think maybe well, well, a couple of things. You know, one. Once I, I, I got past the speed bump of of <laughs> your initial reaction, like, oh, hang on, you do think that it's something different genre-wise. And I was legitimately curious about where you would categorize it in terms of genre. And this is a loaded question, not for the reason that you think it is, because I think there's nothing whatsoever about Downton Abbey, or I shouldn't say nothing whatsoever. There's nothing weighty in terms of social commentary. Okay. I, 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 it glamorizes, it fetishizes uh, a lifestyle that is happily, from my perspective, in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. uh, it suggests that all the people who are in service uh, think, hey, this is great, <laughs> with, with, with some exceptions. I mean, mm -hmm. there are some um, uh, you know, kind of evil mustache twirling villains in, mm -hmm. in the show. Uh, but in terms of, like, I have, n th th there is in no way a critique of the uh, rigid rigidity of social hierarchy that does not come with a heavy dollop of uh, lifestyle porn. Yeah, I mean, there's a there is a lot of lifestyle <laughs> yeah. porn, but to me, I, I they those things can both exist. I mean, there can be the lifestyle porn, but you know, for, for me watching it, I felt like I felt sad for everybody everybody on that show. <laughs> Uh, we, well, okay. Um, Maybe I'm just a more empathetic person than you are. <sighs> Back to the X-Men. <laughs> All right. Well, let's close out Downton Abbey. Um, okay. Fine. It, it, it's more than just a romantic uh, thing, but, but like a lot of the plot depends on... Uh, couples either getting together or having some impediment to getting together. This is not a bad thing. I'm just, it's I, I, because not a bad I, thing, I, yeah. I really, really dig it, and and I I, I enjoy the show. Yeah. Uh, especially like the first three odd seasons, it's good, good fun mm -hmm. until the rape. <laughs> yeah. It's good fun mm -hmm. until yeah. that. 
Um, there was a rape on Little House on the Prairie. You know mm, that? I don't remember that. Who got I, raped on Little House on the Prairie? Like a fourteen-year-old or something. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like, and not it not like a statutory. I mean, right. yes, a statutory yeah, yes. And, and also, also yeah. Oh. yeah. So all right, um, I like my period pieces with less rape. Yeah, that's how we're gonna close our time. Yeah, all right. I, I love period drama, a little less rapey. Yeah. Uh, all right. Back to the X-Men. Back to the X-Men. That was a really weird... <laughs> well, this is... Okay. We, we do talk about the X-Men. We also talk about, like, pop culture generally. Genre fiction generally. Um, from the X-Men. Are you, are you going to live over there? You look as though you're about to vomit up your spleen. Th- those of you at home who can't see this... You, Inessa has been grimacing for the past <laughs> five minutes, clutching her stomach. Yeah, I'm having. And a, otherwise, my, okay. You, just, you had said stomachache, and you cursed me with a stomachache. What I, is with the animosity <laughs> from you today? I, I adore you. We're on winter break. It's a Monday in the middle of the day, and like I'm having the time of my life over here. I'm doing the things that I enjoy, which is largely centered around talking to you. Yeah, I know, the thing I enjoy all most. All of a sudden, maybe it's the like seven or eight hour old coffee that i'm now drinking <laughs> i bought new coffee something's making today. my stomach hurt i didn't want to make another coffee anyway i i always make the coffee no i said i didn't want to make another coffee right yeah i would have made a coffee oh, for okay. you. that's what i'm saying I, I, I make coffee for you every day uh, well you do but you don't have to make it twice a day that's crazy it, it's winter break <laughs> We can get more coffee. I bought nice coffee from Hey Counterculture Coffee, proud sponsor of, of uh, this podcast. Of the X Men. Yes, yeah. Counterculture. Uh, when you when you reach across the counter and you want to have popular culture, think Counterculture for all your pop culture X Men coffee needs. Counterculture, roasting proudly in Durham for a few years now. The, the X Men. All right. Um, if you're going to make sorry, I didn't want to call attention. To, do, do I need to pause the recording? I think I'm okay. Okay, cool. Back to the X Men. That, that, that'll that'll soothe you. The X Men will soothe me. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Great recap. And and you had a thing that we needed to go back to. But, I had but, a couple things, but yeah, but, the uh, like yeah. there were a couple of scenes. Maybe it was just because I was the sort of mood that I was in when I was reading this. But uh, yeah, the scene, the the two scenes that really, really really bummed me out Yeah, um, was when Carol Danvers was sort of saying goodbye to her parents and they knew something was weird with her and uh, you know she was like I used to really love my parents but now you know I'm just sort of uh, <clears throat> fond of them you know now yeah. my, my, my existence is uh, fused with the universe or whatever and yeah. you know not that I don't love them but I just yeah. don't you know, she just didn't have the same feelings for them anymore that really made me sad and then yeah Storm like killing her plans <laughs> Okay, let's talk about the Carol Danvers uh, thing with her with her parents. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't latch onto it, um, or I, I, I didn't I didn't have that reaction that you did. Looking at it though, um, it, for however sad it is, I I, I can really kind of relate to it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glancing at it now, just kind of refreshing my memory. Um, it can mean several different things. Mm-hmm. It, number one, on on the surface level, it, it is just Carol Danvers continuing to wrestle with the part of herself that is not human. Right. So, and it, within the universe of the comic, I don't know what's going on at this point. She, like, she's half Cree, and I don't know how that gets... <laughs> Stop drinking that. No, it's delicious. It's it's delicious. It is. I was just trying to figure out if what was in the bottle was coffee grounds, which I didn't want. It looked like a really big coffee ground, and then I realized that it was actually a little tiny piece of Oreo, which I definitely do want. So now I'm happy. 
So I'm, I'm going to like grind up some some Oreos in your coffee every morning. You won't know if they're coffee grounds or Oreos. And you're just going to. It's true. Okay. We'll figure it out. Uh, back to the X-Men. <laughs> the. Um, yeah, I don't know how they established that she's half Cree, but now she's even beyond that because she's been modified by the brood. Right. So so that that's the one level. Mm-hmm. Um, there's additionally, especially within the X-Men, uh, people on in, in, in other communities, you know, you know, we've talked about this, especially homosexuality, mm-hmm. something you, you and I have no direct experience with, uh, you, you know, for our own identity. Right. I mean, you, we've known gay people. But, right, right. Um, for me, I, I look at that and... I, I've I've lived outside of the place where I grew up for longer than I spent growing Living up there. there yep. uh, that was a real convoluted way to describe something basically mathematical. I I I, I really relate to this. Like mm-hmm. every time I go back to Kentucky, and it's not like I've I've, I've moved on and gotten better or anything like that. Right. Uh, Kentucky's pretty awesome. I like it. Uh, you know, family's still there, and they're all pretty happy. Right. But um, it feels unfamiliar to me. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's this place that used to be home that now feels kind of alien. And, yeah. and some of the people in it, you know, yeah. like, like people that I've known for like most of my life. Right. Um, so I'm looking at this and, yeah, I, I it, you, you may be uh, empathetic in some respects, but you're, <laughs> I'm going to empathize. You're, you're a very empathetic person. Yeah, I'm going to empathize with Carol. Uh, it, it's still, a, it's still a, 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 a tough scene to read. Right. But. but uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't not empathize with her, and I guess yeah, looking at looking at it just like in a growing up, but for me somehow it felt like even all those things that you just said, and then like even a little bit more, like she's even a little bit more disconnected, right? Um, right. Which just you know felt sad, and, and and the saddest part was sort of that her parents were like, they know, you know, aware that something has changed, yeah, um, yeah, and so that was a bummer. Um, bummer because you're thinking about our children? I mean, I probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, I think, you know, every, everyone who's a parent thinks about their kids, yeah. you know, they want that, those things Absolutely. to happen, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. want my kids living with me still when they're in their thirties, yeah. I want yeah. them to launch and leave and, you know, but there's also a little bit of sadness about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Bittersweet. Yeah. No, no, I'm all tearful. Okay, Jeez. Um, uh, uh, alien Nazis. <laughs> Alien Nazis, Alien Nazis. Are, are hilarious. Yeah. Uh, first two episodes of Star Trek Enterprise season four. Treat yourself, folks. Um, yeah. Okay. Really, really good. Whole, really whole, good stuff. Fun for the whole family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Better than uh, better than Wonder Woman. Uh, the Wonder Woman. I read a review of Wonder Woman eighty four in the AV Club. Uh, they're not fans, and I'm not going to rush out and see Wonder Woman. Um, There's a movie. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Good heavens! You don't get like pop up ads for this shit all the time. Nope. Wow. I'm shaking my head. No, I didn't know there was a movie. Yeah, it just Eagle came Dan out like this week under or a rock. Like who yeah. is Wonder Woman? You recall? No, I mean who us... plays? I know. You recall us having seen the the Wonder Woman film? Oh, the first one, right? Is it her again? Yeah, her, yeah, I didn't... her being Gal Gadot. Yeah, yeah, I didn't care for that first movie. That's right. There was the first movie. I didn't. Like oh, it wasn't it. bad. It was just kind of. Eh. Yeah. You said Wonder Woman, but in my head, I heard something different. What did you hear? I heard. Supergirl. Okay. Yeah. Right. And that was confused that there were. I yeah. did also not know that there was another Wonder Woman movie, yeah. but. Yeah. Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to pull up an ad for that. Um, I didn't care for the first Wonder Woman movie. And. Uh, why were we talking about that? I've already lost. 
Uh, the fuck? What did I do? <laughs> I was feeling tearful, and then you said something about oh Nazi. Oh yeah, 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 Nazis, yeah, yeah. World yeah. War One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, and okay, Wonder Woman was World War One. You said it was better than that. The Enterprise was better than. And it is Wonder Woman. Yeah. But when you said that, then I thought Supergirl because those were both TV shows, whereas Wonder Woman is a film. Uh, Wonder Woman was also a TV show. No, oh, I know. A, yeah, a yeah. Picture. yeah I dressed up as Wonder Woman for like one of my first American Halloweens. I, I was like this close as ooh, you dressed up as Wonder Woman. Like, <laughs> no, hang on, she probably means that she was <laughs> like a girl. Six, like, yeah. like I went from uh, my wife is my wife is kind of hot to like ew, gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the span of less than one second, uh, I don't need to tug on that thread. Um, um, I like the way you look. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Uh, 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 Sturm and her plants. Talk to me about Sturm and her plants. Yeah, it was yeah. similar. You know, she, like she's just, she's there. She's having this sort of existential crisis. Um, you know, her like she she's talked about her plants in other issues or, you know, she waters them. You see her sort yeah. of tending to them. Um, and then she sort of loses track of what's, you know, her, her, her powers or yeah. her rage or whatever and uh, harms them in a way right. that's probably makes her really sad because she cares about her plants and somehow that was sad for me yeah i yeah. i uh I, I get it as well this is one where when i was a kid and, and let's see i would have been like 11 years old i think mm-hmm. uh, but this came out uh i'm growing up fast <laughs> you on this podcast <laughs> i started off oh, i was eight. eight yeah and you know eight eight is pretty young 11 eh, you know okay coming along yeah um at eleven, I, I like I said, I was not into Aurora, super into it. Yeah, now, now, right. And I, I mean, I'm going to say that I enjoyed that scene. We we know that I'm not reveling in her. Obviously, I'm not reveling in her, uh, her Sadness, trauma, her yeah. crisis. Mm-hmm. But um, I very much. Uh, enjoy seeing how that arc mm-hmm. arc is it's not the right word out, for right. it, but um, because it's not like whatever. I don't want to get hung up on the word arc. Uh, we know what I mean. I uh, use the watching... word arc here because I made a note that said talk about storm arc throughout the past few I wrote episodes, but I meant issues. But um, you know, arc kind of suggests uh, a, a, a to me suggests a, a planned start and crescendo and finish. Right. Uh, I already know that that's not quite what happens right. here storm continues to evolve and develop and transform mm-hmm. over like years hmm. of time mm-hmm. so so it's not really arc per se right. i mean claremont she's not heading it's towards some sort of imminent uh moment of whatever decision uh yes and no mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't want to give too much away um but but it it, it she continues right. to to grow and change mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. She's, uh, one of my other notes that I wrote down is like, when does when does Aurora get her own uh, movie franchise? I never, because yeah. somehow, um, somehow she's such a cool character, and she's so well developed, even within the comic. Yes, you know, I mean, yeah. even not having to take it bigger to a cinematic yeah. thing. So here's my cynical take on that. Uh, I think that outside of Chris Claremont's hands. She she just withers. She hmm. wilts. Uh, in the early '90s, Jim Lee takes over uh, a lot of the writing, and I, I've got I've read some of those. I didn't read them at the time, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm reading them as of like this year, 2020. 
not enjoying them. Hmm. Uh, like, okay, there's a bit of stuff going on there, but uh, Storm is very much um, in the background. Her character changes a lot. I'm also going to throw X-Men the Animated Series under the bus on this mm-hmm. because her character on that show, which I think informed um, a little bit Jim Lee, and maybe getting... And I know that the timing on that doesn't work out, mm-hmm. but, but definitely Aurora on the animated series informed Halle Berry in, in, mm-hmm. in X-Men uh, 99 or 2001. Um, um, she, they really latched on to the fact that she was sort of revered in, in Africa. As mm-hmm. And so she has this very serene, um, uh, what's the word, um, reserved... Mm-hmm. Uh, air to her, right? Uh, I mean, just like picture Halle Berry in the movie, right? Where she's very aloof. That's that. That's what. Yeah, I'm Halle Berry for. was. I mean, I think Halle. And we've talked about this before. I think Halle Berry is a is a fine actress. I think she could have done a lot more with that role yeah. if she had been given the opportunity or, or directed in a, in a different way. But yeah, it was more yeah. like we just need someone here to be Storm, and she just needs to be here. Yeah, there were a number yeah. of miscalculations yeah. at play there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, oh, so the the other element is cinematically, she's not going to be leading any cinematic franchise in the '90s or until like maybe recently. Mm-hmm. At this point, like the damage is done. At this right. point, uh, if we want to have a female superhero lead, it is going to be Wonder Woman. <laughs> right. Uh, it is going to be Captain Marvel. Uh, it is eventually going to be. Um, Scarlet Witch, not Scarlet Witch. Black um, Widow. Uh, Scarlet Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> Scar- Scarlet Witch, Johansson, Black Widow. Uh, so I-, I think that ship has sailed. And-, and the character in the comics now is, at least for the past like year or so of, of-, of contemporary issues that I've-, mm-hmm. that I've been reading, current issues that I've been reading, she's kind of background. Hmm. That's uh, a it's bummer. a bummer. Yeah, because she's a really cool character. And in these, certainly the most recent, however many we've read, she's, you know, by far the most interesting and sort of well-developed yep. character yep. in the thing. I need to take a break. Okay. We're going to we're gonna take a short break. And we're back. And we're back. Okay. Uh, feeling better. We were uh, talking about how much you would love Aurora. Hey, how about that splash page? Yeah, the splash page was cool. Hold on. I'm going to look at that. I also have a question that by I was way. just thinking about when we were talking about Carol Danvers. Yeah. Um... Whatever happened between her and Rogue that happened before I came to this? Or the, am I forgetting something? You're not forgetting okay. anything. Because that happens sometimes. And it happened in an issue of The Avengers. Okay. I remember an, when an she annual. was turned into, you know, when she was sort of half uh, yeah. half populated by the, by the queen mother of the brood. But the other, the whole thing with Rogue, I kept trying to remember and i was too lazy to go back and look yeah that's it walt simonson does the uh the pencils here yeah he's great what did you think of walt simonson i thought he was great okay (laughs) next topic (laughs) i did notice that it said guest penciler yeah uh, and i don't know who walt simonson uh, is Walt Simpson um, is a penciler. Yeah, uh, he he draws uh, comics. Uh, his wife Louise Simonson uh, do, does a lot of comics editing. All right, okay. Uh, I don't think she edits this one. Different Louise. What do you mean a different Louise? Oh yeah, uh, Louise Jones is the editor here. Yeah, uh, Louise Simonson 
Um, editor Walt, uh, he did a run on Thor. Right, and okay. you heard me talk about this last week mm-hmm. because I started reading it. Um, Thor came out at about this time and I was intrigued, but I just, I just didn't get to it because mm-hmm. I was 11 and I didn't have enough, <laughs> enough money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> scratch. Uh, have, have, yeah, not enough money uh, or like the means to get to the comic book store yeah. to, uh, to do that. Um, but having read that, that run on Thor or, or started to read it really awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you'll recall that, um, in one of those issues, they create this axe that is uh, mystical as right, well, right, similar right. to Mjolnir, yeah. and uh, oh, and we'll call it Stormbreaker. Right. Like, whoa, what the fuck? This is. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, <laughs> this is exactly you know, the same name. I mean, no surprises. Right. It's the same name that they have for in, the other um, thing. Yeah, Infinity. That's really cool. Uh, reading these Bronze Age comics yeah. and just seeing. Um, I mean, it, it, it's. It's like sort of reverse Easter eggs mm-hmm. because obviously they came first. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah, neat. that's neat. That's a neat thing. Yeah. The um, Why doesn't he draw her with pupils? That distracts me the whole time. Aurora is often drawn without pupils and I have no good explanation mm-hmm. about it whatsoever. Hmm. Weird. But yeah, I also noticed that like some of the, I mean, taking into fully acknowledging that it's really hard to draw yeah. people uh, that look the same with different facial expressions, yeah. whatever. Um, you know, Carol Danvers looks weird in her whole thing. Not weird, not like bad, just different. Than yeah, how she I understand what you're been. saying. I, I had to go back and look at that, but uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, and then Kitty also looks a little bit different than, than she... Bit. Yeah. Really quickly, though, on page seven, where we see uh, Carol Danvers in her her mom jeans and yeah. baggy sweater. Um, you, you know what the saddest part of that whole scene is? <laughs> what? So you, you've got this very, very sweet old couple living the split-level ranch. Yeah. Uh, and, and Carol is sort of drifting further away from them emotionally and, and physically yeah. as well. There's a toaster on the kitchen table with a piece <laughs> of toast. Nobody's going to eat that toast. <laughs> Nobody's going to eat that fucking toast, man. <laughs> it is weird that it's on the kitchen table. That is, they, These people love toast. <laughs> And the cord is like going under. Right, the... right. I didn't notice. Yeah, that. that's a trip hazard. I mean, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> for the elderly. Yeah. This is um, sort of zero in on that because Walt Walt Simonson actually he's fantastic, um, and, and yeah, his representation, the way that he presents these um, uh, some of these characters is a little bit different. Yeah, uh, but he's really great. <laughs> uh, even if maybe he. Maybe he he needed a, a another half hour of sleep before he decided to draw somebody's kitchen table. Well, it'll be like you a card table. Something and, on um, it, yeah. Yeah, it, like like it's it's like the uh, you know the kitchen table at like a flop house or something. <laughs> it's just it's a card table and just like a single toaster on the table because there are no counters at all, right? Right. We have to somehow indicate that we're in the kitchen with exactly more yeah, than just yeah. a table. That's funny. Yeah, everyone's kind of wearing mom jeans as I. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then I very next page. Kitty's Kitty's wearing mom jeans. jeans. I don't recall the 80s as having been, I don't know, maybe that's when when mom jeans were invented. Um, we've got Colossus and Quiche. We we had mentioned that sometime back. Yes. You had said that there will be a scene where Colossus makes Quiche. That was the scene. That's, that's such an odd thing. Cultural reference, yeah. Um, yeah, and and you're spot on about that. I I would not have connected that. Yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't have either. 
Yeah. Yeah. Despite the fact that I remember having read, yeah. um, and not read cover to cover, but like having access to that book, not, not like super funny book, by the way, real men don't eat quiche. Um, even in the, it 80s, was, or it wasn't super funny. It wasn't super was funny. It was not super funny. I, yeah, like, like, if, if you think that that title is hilarious, then the book might be for you. <laughs> Uh, if you think like, well, you know, the title is maybe just, you know, the promise of some better stuff, y- you'll be disappointed. You'll be, it's not. <laughs> it, it, exactly. Uh, you can, um, yeah, it doesn't get loads funnier than real mm-hmm. men don't eat quiche. And even in the 80s, I think that level of, of toxicity around male identity mm-hmm. was 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 something that was not like universally right, well right, received. Right. Oh, we could talk about toxic man. Eh, let's not talk about toxic masculinity. Uh, we're we're again it. We're against toxic masculinity. Having um, said that, um, <laughs> having said that, <laughs> having said that, uh-huh. uh, and this is not like a callback to uh, you know uh, Downton Abbey and rape or anything like that. Um, reading reading this um, awesome book that you got me for Hanukkah, my very first Hanukkah gift ever, <laughs> uh, and thank you for that. Um, the uh, the Floridian who's who's traveling around right. Florida. Book is called. What's the actual title I of it? Don't know. Uh, the, um, in a, the land of good living. In the land of maybe, good living. Uh, Kent is the name of. It's called in the land of good living, and it's about he d- he Florida. Go buy it, and yeah, yeah uh, definitely read go buy it, it. Especially um, if you live in Florida. No, I was about to say, like, he, he he doesn't need us to market the book. I mean, I think, but um, <laughs> thank I mean, heaven because neither does counterculture. Or, uh, uh, for 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 a, for a piping hot uh, taste of freshness. Yep. Get the fresh taste uh, of the that book. you won't let go to waste. <laughs> um, the Florida, so he, they, they, it's these three people who are walking around Florida, um, uh, repeating an experience by um, former Florida Governor uh, Lawton Childs, right. Walking Lawton. Hmm. Almost rhymes, sort of an accent rhyme. Um, they encounter somebody who, who he's like seventy-seven. Um, but sort of hyper-masculine in mm-hmm. terms of... Uh, hyper-masculine in this sense, in the sense that totally self-reliant, he knows how to, like, butcher the animals that he kills, he, right. and, like, he wrestles alligators. Right. <laughs> like, he checks a lot of these kind of stereotypical boxes. And as he's talking about that, he, he's just saying, like... And it's probably a generational thing. People mm-hmm. who are like... Actually, if you're, if you're 12, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Definitely no. Yeah. But twelve-year-old, twelve-year-old boys right now, or even eighteen-year-old men right now, probably don't have this. But like I'm older, and the author just talks about like, look, I get it that there's a lot of bad stuff that comes with it. But like, I, and and like I don't do this. The author is saying I don't know how to how to skin an alligator <laughs> and like sell the parts on, for on Etsy yeah. uh, like this guy does. But but but. but and I'm butchering uh, how he how he describes this, but I'll just like interject myself. It's like, well, what do we have left if not that? Um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, once we erase the uh, toxic masculine identity and good riddance, right? You know, what then remains? And this has been something which is on the periphery of my own kind of self identification. Mm-hmm. Um, I am unabashedly, unashamedly male, right? I think I know what that means. <laughs> right. It's yeah. It's the there've been a lot of changes for men in terms of how they're sort of supposed to view themselves. Uh, it's a little bit different. How I, I think permitted I, I, to be. I mean, I mean, yeah. You're correct, yeah. but 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 I, I don't. Um, I kind of take it for, to, to this place, which is like, um, 
it's like when you were with a group of people and you say, and you're picking the restaurant and you say, hey, let's go here. And then somebody says, no, I don't want to. <laughs> well, okay. So you know, I, I get that. I, and this is not something where uh, I'm like the dude from The Good Place. Where <laughs> like, what if I really think she would look better if she smiled more? She would really legitimately look yeah, better if she smiled. Um, it, it, and I was never all that toxically masculine. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that right. whatever, you, that, you I'm, get, that I'm getting no regrets. Yeah, but, but you get um, what you're sort of not supposed to Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so um, and it's not as though I, 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 I feel like I have to tiptoe around political correctness or anything like no. that. I'm rambling badly here, but I, I might land at a point. Um, <laughs> but, but it gets to this, which is maybe the thing that um, I feel f- very, very comfortable with myself, mm-hmm. but I-, I wish I saw more in the culture, mm-hmm. is I'm super comfortable with some elements of masculinity which are not exclusively male, mm-hmm. which are kind of harmonized with a lot of old male archetypes Mm -hmm. in which I think are culturally useful, but more significantly really resonate with my personality. Mm -hmm. Like being able to kill your own alligator? No. (laughs) Um, I don't want to tell you that I don't think you could do that. (laughs) I I don't really have any interest (laughs) in that. Um, It is a masculinity that raises its eyebrows over the question of whether eating quiche means that I have to sacrifice my male identity. Right, right. That, that just like, uh, you know, real men, uh, don't, don't wear, uh, real men don't wear belted trench coats. It's, it's, it's about as, as sane to me. Um, period. Yeah. But, but I, Okay. Um, I I, I want to see more of that. I think you brought that around. It, here, here's yeah. the exit for that. <laughs> um, I I don't know, and I'm not like some trailblazer or anything like that. Um, I don't see any representation of men in popular culture who are comfortable being men and are men, and 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 that's part of part of what they do. Real, I, the only kind of exception to How that about Chidi. There's nothing about him uh, th- that really speaks to a male identity, to maleness. Hmm. Uh, I, I, which, important point, I'm not saying there are not good male, male role models right. in popular culture. There are tons of them. Here is an exception that might get to what I'm... Trying to get to? What I'm trying to get to. <laughs> you can see that I'm taxing <laughs> no, your patience <laughs> dreadfully. Um, so Barack Obama yeah. recently in an interview... In in he's talking about Donald Trump, who is the antithesis of right. a male role model, right, 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 right. Um, and, and so much of of what's wrong with his character is tied into not just toxic masculinity, but just like dumb ideas. <laughs> like 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 he's the sort of person like, oh, I don't eat quiche. Uh, yeah. What, what the fuck? Who yeah. cares if you eat quiche? Like your your, your dick doesn't get smaller if you <laughs> right. quiche. Um, and, no, and, and the size wings. of your dick yeah. is also kind of irrelevant yeah. to your male identity. But the, but Barack Obama in an, in an interview, what he what he describes is like you know, the the masculine role models or figures like they they operated according to a code, mm-hmm. and and that's the thing that that I want to see right positively right and and it's not when I say that I operate according to a code I mean it's not like you know it's not like I got jumped into a gang. <laughs> 
for it's something not like, like you've that. Got a, you've but got a tattoo on your. Uh, yeah. Operating according to a code means that we have uh, some fairly basic moral precepts, mm-hmm. which are you, you look out for people. You you. you you, you keep to your word. You're honest, right? And again, these are not exclusively male. Right. But they are uh, elements, they are characteristics that are strongly associated with, uh, you know, male figures. And, and wouldn't it be awesome if mm. we could have some of that without all of the other ugly the shit? Other so ugly that's, stuff, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's my other closing pitch is um, a new superhero character, uh, 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 Guy Man. <laughs> <laughs> who, who's like uh, bit by a radioactive uh, self-help book, and he just he goes around like 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 being 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 male and like punching the shit out of toxic uh, male people, uh, but but also saying like, hey, this doesn't mean that <laughs> I need to walk on eggshells around political correctness. Right. Um, okay, I hear you. <laughs> Uh, yep. You put up with this like every day. Every day. You put up with my ranting <laughs> every day. And I, I even like it. You do sort of like it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. This was a cool issue. Yeah. It was one of my favorite kind where loads of different things happen and I yeah. kind of don't, fig- I can't actually figure out how they can cram all of Some that shit. into yeah. 24 pages. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious what happens next with, Here's with Rogue? Oh, Does she yeah. become, you know, a goodie slowly over time? You're going to wait several weeks for that. Oh, okay. Uh, because speaking of toxic masculinity... Yep. Uh, we're going to get Wolverine, yep. who is somebody yep. who, who actually might might be kind of close to that, that male archetype that I'm talking about. Right. Uh, yep. A little too violent for my taste? A little yeah. too... <laughs> a little too killy? Yeah, a little, li- yeah, a little, little also, too stabby. Also a little too, little too ready to be morally pragmatic. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, operates according to a code, uh, is uh, incredibly self-reliant, definitely knows how to butcher an alligator. An alligator. <laughs> but we are going sure. to... Yeah. So next week we might have a, a guest. Oh, yeah. Um, but we're going to be talking about Wolverine very, very soon. We're going yeah. to be reading the four issue limited series. Uh, Chris Claremont, who is a you know positive male archetype, writes this four issue limited mm-hmm. series, uh, being drawn by Frank Miller, um, questionable male role model <laughs> Frank Miller, a uh, brilliant and gifted um, artist, artist, but um, personal personality wise, a little you know problematic. I don't know anything about him, but yeah, you're you're going to learn more. Yep. So um, either next week or in two weeks, we're going to be talking about the limited series. Uh, so that's what you have to look forward to. Yeah, that'll be fun. I feel like we didn't actually talk about this issue quite enough, but at the same time, we really didn't. Yeah. We talked about a We've lot of other things. In, well, um, we spent. 15 minutes on fucking Downton Abbey. So I mean, I didn't do that. You did that. Well, I, 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 in terms of the issue, I, I think... You, you say you, we. You were there too. I love you. The only time that you sat there passively, not engaged, is when I went on that, that long, extemporaneous groping for groping for rhetorical substance in, uh, in masculinity. I should not have put that empty wrapping paper roll down there. No, I'm a Jedi. You could you could knight me, you could right. you could knight me. Uh, we're starting to lose our listeners. Um, <laughs> no, but is there anything more that you want to say about the uh, the issue um, itself? I liked this issue a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean that's most of it. I had actually one more really weird random thing. 
yeah. written down. So when they're in the ready room or whatever, the, uh, the, the, danger, the danger room. room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The adventure room. <laughs> the adventure room. I like the adventure room, yeah. <laughs> I said the ready room, but yeah. No, I know just, you did. Yeah. It sounded like the you adventure said the adventure room, room yeah. then. Yeah. Um, and, and Katya attacks, or Ileana attacks yeah. uh, Kitty. Kitty. Yeah. Um, she attacks her with the sword, and yeah. then in one of the frames, Kitty is like, where did that sword come from? Yes. So it, it kind of made me wonder, like, is it is that like some sort of is that something that we find out about Ileana over time that she can yes. like conjure weapons, or was it like she got drawn with a sword and then it was like almost like a meta observation by whoever did the words that like weird there was no sword in here before. It was not. <laughs> the sword is deliberate. The sword is deliberate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It the, wasn't the an accident. Is... It's like, we can't get rid of the sword now. We've already drawn it. We're just going to have to work it it's into the thing. It's a big fucking thing. accident. Um, no. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I don't, I don't know anything yeah, about it. I, I'll, I'll go back and look at the panels. But no, the sword is meant to be there. Um, you find out about it slowly, slowly over time uh, in the pages of the New Mutants. Okay. Period. All right. Interesting. All right. It well, is interesting. I asked that then. Um, yeah, so I will, uh, I will look forward to reading about Wolverine's time in Japan. Japan, the land of the rising sun. And until then, I'm Inessa. And I'm not. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the X-Men Files. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you listen, please rate us. If you want to drop us a note, you can reach us via email at cerebro at xmenfiles.com. You can also check out our website, xmenfiles.com. Our theme music is Invasion to Space Frog by Checky Brown. That music available under a Creative Commons license. Everything else was written, produced, and performed by Brian and Inessa.